Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome to the Fantasy in Podcast. Today, our topic is audiobooks. So we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of audiobooks, uh, whether we enjoy listening to them at all, our thoughts about narrators, and just audiobooks in general. My name is Jenya, and I'm joined by my friends. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm part of the Fantasy Inn, and I'm pretty new to audiobooks since I've started listening to them like last year, so I can give a perspective from a relatively newbie. I'm Tam. Um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. At the moment, I am consuming far more of them than I am physical books, so I'm very fond of them. I'm Travis, and probably at least 80% of my reading is audiobooks. Um, I'm Cop, and I sure know about audiobooks' existence. Yep. <laughs> Uh, before we get to the topic, though, let's talk about what we're reading right now, maybe. So I'm actually listening to an audiobook right now, Spin the Dawn by Elizabeth Lim. And it's about this, it's like a Mulan meets Project Runway crossover. That's how I've heard it described. So the idea is that this girl who wants to become the best tailor ever, but only men are allowed to become tailors in her land. And so she decides to dress up as a guy and she goes off to the palace to do some tailoring work. And it's a really, really good audiobook. It's really fun. It's a YA fantasy with a bit of romance, but most of it is just about her trying to accomplish these impossible tasks and make these impossible dresses. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's a it's it's really it's a really fun audiobook, and I guess we'll talk about the particularities of audiobooks later. But for me, because it's a book that's about um, making clothing, I'm really enjoying crocheting while I listen to it. So it's it's really good specifically as an audiobook experience. All right, what about you, Sarah? So my current audiobook, since I listen really rarely to audiobooks, is still the Song of Achilles, which I started like. A month ago or so. It's uh, a book that's by Madeline Miller. It's about the story between Patroclus and Achilles. So it's sort of a tragic love story at the background of the Trojan War. And it's heartbreaking, of course. And I love, love this audiobook. I love the narrator. But I just Sometimes I'm just not in the mood to listen to a story. I just feel like it's too passive. So I put it aside. Right now I'm reading, also reading a physical uh, book, which is The Wicked King by Holly Black, which is a sequel to The Cruel Prince that I've read yesterday uh, in one day, in one go. And now I'm currently reading the sequel. It's a book about a human girl trying to find her way in the fairy world. It's brutal. I'm surprised by how much I've enjoyed the, the first book because honestly, I was just expecting it to be really problematic and romance to be just uh, a like, terrible, terrible relationship between two terrible people, which is the case. 
but it's not <laughs> the focus of the book. It's mostly about court intrigue and and just manipulation and backstabbing and it's I'm I'm so here for it. It's amazing. And the sequel sounds fun. I'm just twenty percent into it and I think I'm gonna enjoy it as well. So next is Dan. Um so at the moment on audiobook I am listening to The Blending Knife by Brent Week for the second time as part of the Lightbringer series reread. Um, and really enjoying it the second time around as well. Um, And going between that and City of Lies by Sam Hawke, which I read as a paperback when it released last year and really enjoyed and am currently re-listening to. Well, listening to for the first time. So I have one I just finished. I recently listened to the audiobook of The Emperor's Blades by Brian Stavley, and The narrator was fantastic. I love pretty much anything Simon Vance does. The three main characters are basically some of my favorite archetypes I ever find. So you've got the girl who's forced to prove all the sexist men wrong and navigate court intrigue. Got the guy who's learning to become a badass elite military soldier. And then you've got sort of a mystic monastery person's learning spiritual paths that end up giving him great power so that was a lot of fun and then it's not technically fantasy actually not at all fantasy but i'm currently listening to the radium girls by kate moore and nothing has ever made me want to burn down capitalism more so yeah i just want to agree with travis in there that simon vance is a really good narrator he does um the lightbringer series as well which as i mentioned earlier I've been listening to, and he does a fantastic job of it. And for something completely different, I am reading and reading, like, used very loosely, Colloquial Mongolian by Bayerma Khaltsa. Um, it's about as thrilling as it sounds, um, because in about a month from the time of this recording, I have a language proficiency exam in Mongolian. Okay, well, uh, seeing as how Tam started uh, talking about Simon Vance and Travis as well, do you guys have specific narrators who you love? Do narrators make a big difference in your uh, thoughts towards an audiobook? They do, but I don't think I have enough experience with audiobooks that I can have favorites. It's simply when I don't feel like the narrator is going to be my type of uh, narrator, I just stop listening. Like I listen to a sample and I just don't buy the audiobook if it's not the type of voice or tone that I like. So I think I've listened to three audiobooks so far, four. So I'm not really qualified to give like a uh, rating of uh, audiobook narrators. I love uh, Kate Reading. It's her name, Kate Reading, right? Yeah. She she narrated um, Mary Brennan's books, uh, which I need to Google. A Natural History of Dragons. And she was amazing. Like, she was the main character because the book was first person. And I really felt like she was telling her life story. And it's amazing. Uh, I also enjoyed the narrator for The Song of Achilles, which I need to find. 
Fraser Douglas, he's amazing. It's you can feel the heartbreak and the jealousy, and he, he he's really voice actor. Like you can feel the emotions in his voice, and there are so many emotions in this book. So yeah, I don't have a lot of narrators, and but I that I know, but I love the one that I listen to. I do have favorite narrators. I have several. So first off is Vikas Adam, who does Same. A, <laughs> yeah, I thought I might get that response. Um, who does a couple of books. So he did the Heart Striker series by Rachel Aaron, and they were amazing. I think I went through all five books in under two weeks, which for me on audio is quite fast. Also, Tim Gerard Reynolds, who has a fantastic array of different voices in different series. So he does Michael J. Sullivan's Rayera Chronicles and the other Rayera series he's also got. Um, he did Andrew Seipel's Threadbare series, which was fantastic hearing him narrate the story of a teddy bear. He was really good to listen to there. He's what else has he done? He's done the Red Rising series, which I've heard some people have had issues with his narration. A bit of a weird bit when he's singing in there, but otherwise I really enjoyed it. It took me a little bit to get into the accent at the beginning of the first Red Rising book, but I got into it pretty quickly. Mary Robinette Cowall does a fantastic job as well. She narrates all of her own books. Um, and did particularly well in the Lady Astronaut series. I don't know what else she's done off the top of my head, but I know she has done other books. Um, and finally, Nick Podell is a really, really good narrator too. He did Arcane Ascension, um, the King's Dark Tidings series, and I'm sure I've listened to more by him, but none of it's popping into my head at the moment i definitely have several favorite narrators as well so one is like tam said mary robinette cole and the main series i've listened to by her is the lady astronaut series and i thought it was great because she's both the author and a professional audiobook narrator uh and so recording the audio for her own book was pretty incredible uh she has a huge range of voices and accents uh, and she added in kind of her own special effects. Uh, like she actually held up a plastic cup over her mouth to make her sound like a radio communications, which was really cool. I also enjoy Michael Page, who narrates the Gentleman Bastard sequence by Scott Lynch. So that series is really unique in terms of challenging audio narrators. Uh, the characters are all masters of disguise who can speak in different accents. And occasionally they'll actually practice those accents and shift how they speak. And so Michael Page pulled that off perfectly. Uh, he kept all the voices distinct and he slowly shifted the accents and his comedic timing is just amazing. Uh, and then also a uh, narrator I love and I never hear anyone else mention him is Will Patton, uh, who narrates The Raven Cycle by Maggie Stiefvater. Hey. Yeah. And... Uh, so he just one, he has a way of narrating passages that makes it immediately obvious which character is the point of view, uh, even when no names are mentioned or anything identifiable is in the text. And he also has one of the most soothing voices I've ever heard. Yeah, I was going to say, I also don't really know a lot of audiobook narrators, but 
Will Patton is one that stands out for me because I listened to The Raven Cycle maybe two years ago, and I still remember Will Patton's narration. And then Simon Vance, like we brought up before, is really good. And then another one, I've only listened to one book that he narrates, but I listened to The Space Opera by Cat Valenti, which is narrated by Heath Miller. And I thought he did a really good job in that. It made the book come alive. I think in terms of going back to Simon Vance, though, I really liked him in the Lightbringer series books, but... He narrates a full cast version of Dune by Frank Herbert. Do not like it at all. I mean, I didn't like the book, but I also really did not like the audiobook version of that. And maybe it's just me, but... It's um, not just you. (laughs) That's probably my least favorite (laughs) audiobook of all time. Yeah. And I I think it just goes to show that even like really good narrators, you know, you're not going to like everything they do. Especially because in that book, well, did you listen to the full cast version? Yes. Yeah, they couldn't decide whether they wanted it to be Simon Vance does every voice or whether each character has their own voice. They swapped like every other chapter. Yeah, it's like uh, some, some chapters will just be like complete full cast. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, is that Simon Vance narrating or is that Simon Vance playing a character? Well, what about when do you guys typically listen to audiobooks? Wait, wait, I also want to say my favorite narrators. <laughs> oh, I, sorry, I thought you started. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, no. no, I asked the I'm question. Sorry, I started. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, okay, so I also really, really like uh, because Adam, who Tam had mentioned doing the Heartstriker series, and I think Rachel Aaron somehow gets really lucky with her audiobooks because the sequel series to the Heartstrikers is narrated by a woman because there's a female protagonist. It's narrated by Emily Wu Zeller and it's also really good. She does a fantastic job. And for some reason with her books, the Heartstriker series, when I read it in text form, I don't really love the books, but as soon as I listen to them, they really come alive for me. So she got really lucky that the second narrator is also just as good. And I also really like uh, the narrator for Ben Aronovich's uh, Rivers of London series, uh, so his name is Kobna Holdbrook-Smith. And I think he does an amazing job with accents. Uh, so the series is set in London and there's a lot of characters from all over. And he really, really does a good job, except with American accents. Somehow, I don't know if it's because I know the American accent better than I know, I don't know, the west side of London, whatever accent. But um, is that a thing? Anyway, uh but somehow his American just sounds slightly off for me all the time. So it's interesting how that things those things work. I like Kate Reading as well. Uh, she's also really good. And I mean, there's a lot of books which I've read where it's just one book narrated by this person. And I really like that book. But I never know then how much is specifically the narrator and how much is specifically the book. Because they kind of combine into one for me. But those ones I'd listen to multiple people, uh, multiple books from and they were all really good. All right, Travis, continue. 
Okay, so when does everyone listen to audiobooks? Because I know you can kind of multitask with audiobooks, unlike a regular book. When I'm awake. So for me, I have two main times when I listen. One is when I go hiking, and one is when I'm at home crocheting. And somehow, I mean, it, I, I just cannot listen without doing anything with my hands. I'm okay listening when I'm um, doing the dishes or cooking or whatever, but I think that there are some books which fit really well to doing other activities. So, for example, I really enjoy uh, walking, hiking, and listening to Lord of the Rings. I just think that's an amazing experience because you can see what's happening around you and they're talking about walking, so you really have this feeling of being really immersed in the moment. And the same thing with listening to something like Elizabeth Lim's Spin the Dawn. She's making some clothing, I'm making some clothing in a less magical and beautiful way, but it's still clothing. So I think it's really nice when it can fit to the activity that you're doing. For me, it's, yeah, since I don't listen to audiobooks much, it really depends. But um, most of the time it's when I'm walking, uh, wandering around the city and I just don't feel like listening to music or something like that. I put on my earbuds and I just to the audiobook instead. I am not used to audiobooks enough to do another activity at the same time, especially if it, when it comes to crafts. Well, I don't do crafts anyway, but I couldn't do it even if I if I did. So uh, it's mainly. Yeah, when I'm walking or just like before work, I tried audiobooking while I'm working, when I'm doing like, I want to say boring tasks, but I fear that my boss is somehow going to listen to this podcast and just like, <laughs> <laughs> what boring task? Um, but it, it did work, but I didn't give my full attention to the audiobook and it deserved full attention. It was for the Song of Achilles. And I started tearing up at work, which is embarrassing. So uh, it's safer just while you walk and you pretend like you're tearing up because of the dust and the pollution in this city. So that's that's when I listen to audiobooks. Um, I listen to audiobooks whenever I can, really. So most days on the bus or if I'm driving somewhere, I'll play an audiobook. I go on a lunchtime walk, you know, every day, and I get in a good 40 minutes of audiobook during that time. Whenever I drive somewhere, if I'm doing chores around the house, I listen to audiobooks. Basically, whenever I've got more than five minutes that I'm going to be doing something that's not engaging my brain that much, I will try and put on an audiobook. I can listen to audiobooks if I'm doing particularly repetitive stuff at work, like if I'm doing data entry, just copying stuff from one place to another or just testing stuff out, then I can kind of put something on in the background and listen to that. But yeah, just whenever I get this chance, really. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Whenever I have a free moment, if I can, I'm popping in headphones and listening to an audiobook or an audio drama, um, since I have to mention that every episode. But yeah, I, I used to have like an hour commute to work in the morning and another hour in the evening. So I'd burn through a ton of audiobooks in that time. I uh, still listen on my commute, but it's a little bit shorter. And if I do have any kind of repetitive task at work, like 
data entry into a spreadsheet or something. I'm typically listening to an audiobook. Although, uh, Sarah, you mentioned tearing up a little bit in the office. Uh, I sometimes burst out laughing and smiling like a maniac. So I had to stop that for funnier books um, and kind of chores or exercise uh, as well. I've done that in a shopping center once, just started laughing really hard <laughs> in the middle of the shopping center listening to Kings of the Wild. Yeah, it's nice when you're walking through the streets and you're just hoping that the people are not looking at you because you're just laughing really hard. And sometimes I just make funny faces, like like when something really bad is going to happen, I just cringe, but it shows in my face. Like, like <laughs> I'm doing like a face and I think people think I'm weird, but... Uh, <laughs> it's Paris. It's Paris. Weird people are everywhere there. <laughs> I mean, here. So, uh... I can't listen to audiobooks at work because I teach. So it would be really <laughs> awkward for me if I were to listen to an audiobook while I was at work. But I tend to listen to them while I'm uh, playing video games, like Mario or Animal Crossing or stuff like that. That doesn't really require too much brain power. And then I recently got a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle so i'll probably listen to an audiobook while doing that as well you know we were talking before about uh or you guys mentioned authors narrating their own books and i have a weird story for that uh that today my dad came in looking extremely shocked. And he said that there's this famous Russian author, um, Bukov, who has narrated his own book and put it on YouTube. And he's like, this author, he's destroying himself. And I thought what he was talking about was that, you know, this author is giving his book for free online, which is kind of like piracy in a way, but whatever. Um, but my dad was more concerned that the author was narrating his own thing because as a reader, you can always think maybe the emphasis is somewhere different or maybe I'm misunderstanding what exactly the author meant. But if the author narrates their own work, then there is no misunderstanding. That's what the author said and that's what the author means. And I was just wondering, have you guys ever thought about something like that? Like whether you prefer it if the author narrates it or you don't prefer it or like you disprefer it or you've consider that perspective at all because I found my dad's idea of like he has exposed himself on stage basically it's the same as going naked on stage I just found it a very very bizarre idea so I was wondering what you guys thought I don't think I've listened to enough author narr like an, an author who narrates their own books um the only ones that come to mind are uh Continuum Con Kate Elliott you know, did a short reading of one of her future books. And then Ken Liu did a short reading of one of his short stories. But other than that, I can't really think of any books that I've listened to that are narrated by the author. I've started the calculating stars, but I somehow lost interest. It's really a good book, but... 
Uh, sometimes it happens. I just lose interest. And Cole uh, reads her own book, as Sam said and Trav said. And yeah, it's an interesting approach because she knows like the tone, the, the right tone to take for her main character. Like she wrote her, so she knows what she's feeling, uh, how she's going to say this uh, particular line, and. So it's, I think it's a, an interesting point of view. So it was a positive experience because she knows her characters best. So she knows how they are, like, the things that are not said in uh, the, the book that are not directly addressed in the book, she knows them. So she can use that, use that to narrate her book. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree with what Sarah said there. And Mary Robinette Cowell is a particularly good narrator. As a general rule, I find that authors narrating their own books will either be really good or really bad because like, they know really well what they want to get across, but sometimes they have absolutely no narration experience to go with that. Um, so Mary Robinette Cowell does really good because she's a puppeteer and a narrator and she has the skills there to do her books really well. Another one who does it well is Josh Erickson. He narrates his own books, um, Hero, Forged, and Fate Lashed, and he does a good job with narrations there. But other authors that I've had narrate their own books, um, now appearing on the top of my head, have been poor because the author doesn't have any narrator skills. And so, well, they might know what emotions they're trying to get across. They just don't have the skill to do so. For me, I like it when it's an autobiography and the author is narrating it. So this is a nonfiction, obviously. I've heard Felicia Day's autobiography and I've heard Eddie Juan's Fresh Off the Boat autobiography, which the TV series is based on. And I really like those. I felt like it really brought a lot to the book that it was being narrated by the person about their own life. It just made sense for me. I, I've never read an autobiography or listened to an autobiography which was narrated by a professional narrator. I I feel like that would be kind of weird in a way. But uh, for authors reading their own thing, while I don't agree with my dad that it's that terrible, I do feel like not every author has the skill to do it, like like Tam said. Um, personally, I have also listened to Mary Robinette Kowal's book, uh, Ghost Talkers, um, where she did the narration, and I did like it, except that sometimes when she has an Indian character and she has to put on this, you know, typical Indian accent, I guess, and somehow I just felt that was really awkward <laughs> for some reason. I mean, I guess in general, I think people putting on foreign accents is awkward, but when it's an author writing a character and you think, is it a stereotype or is it okay? I don't really know about um, Indian people during World War One that much. I don't know what they were up to. Um, and then she also has to do the accents as well, because I guess he would typically maybe have an accent. And that kind of puts it into the weird territory for me personally. Yeah, she did that in the calculating stars too. And I had the moment of like double take. Um, am I supposed to find that offensive? You know, the moment where you're not sure whether to be like, to feel awkward about it or just like to let it slide. Um, and yeah, she did that with other Asian characters. And 
Uh, I think there was a French character, but if I remember correctly, but that that wasn't that didn't feel wrong, you know. <laughs> when it's French, you're it's okay to to put on an accent. Uh, I also mock them <laughs> for their accents. <laughs> I'm fine with it, but yeah, it's it's a bit weird. Yeah. What are you gonna say before Travis about Neil Gaiman? Oh, uh, so I think Neil Gaiman is pretty famous for narrating all of his own audiobooks. And the general consensus is he just knocks it out of the park and does an incredible job with it. Personally, I'm not a huge Neil Gaiman fan in terms of his stories. I'm also not a huge fan of his narration. He has a beautiful voice, but he doesn't really distinguish characters that much. It's just him talking in his natural voice. And it's almost too soothing in a way where I find myself falling to sleep if I'm listening to one of his books. But your mileage may vary. Uh, most people tend to just absolutely love him. So he does ASMR, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Lee, what me and Sarah were talking about, do you like it when they have when they put on strong accents or dialects in books? I know that me and Sarah have discussed before when... Uh, it's a book that sets completely in um, a foreign country. Uh, for example, um, the Winter Night Trilogy by Catherine Arden. Um, the, all the characters there also get Russian accents when they talk. And I think some people find it immersive, but some people like me find it really, really distracting and really odd when all the characters have strong accents and what should be their native language. So have you guys had experience with narrators experimenting with accents? What are your thoughts about it? Or dialects as well, um, dialects of English and so on. I had one book where the narrator was trying to put on an accent. I can't remember what sort of accent they were trying to put on, but they were failing spectacularly. <laughs> and it kind of just ruined the whole book because... You know, you're trying to listen to it and there's this very, very distracting accent in there. And it, it just didn't work for me and I really did not enjoy it. Oh, Dish, give the name of the book. Dish, Dish, Dish. I don't remember the name of the book. Oh, I thought you were being nice and polite. <laughs> Maybe he'd still be nice and polite. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, oh, it's not for me, but you know... <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Genia was like, the Winter Night Trilogy was a mess in audiobook. <laughs> I really, I really like the book. The book, I think, is but amazing. It's weird. I mean, it's weird because we know that they don't speak English between them. So we know that English is just so we, we understand what they're saying. So they cannot have a Russian accent while speaking English. It's weird. Like for uh, yeah. for the calculating stars, they were talking in English because it was an international station, and everyone uh, was everyone was speaking the common language, which was which was English. So everyone had accents, which was normal, even if it's weird that an American narrator is putting on an Indian accent, for example. But for the Winter Night trilogy, it's something that I I don't get, and I really wonder if. Um, for books set in France, and I don't want to test this theory, if uh, narrators put on 
a French accent. <laughs> oh yes, they do. I've listened do. to um, oh. the extraordinary adventures of Arsène Lupin. Uh, while I was in Paris, actually visiting you, and I really enjoyed the book. But oh my god, it was all like oh, uh-huh, baguette, you know. <laughs> I don't know that's my French accent. That doesn't make sense. Arsène Lupin was written in French, so yeah. it's a translation, right? Yeah, it, the, it the thing a, is like French book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, not every every person has the same strength of accent and so on. And I, anyway, I chose the one where the accent was less strong because there are three versions of the of the books, and in one of them, it was really like every phrase he was about to eat a baguette. You know, I had that feeling. So I tried to choose the one where it was only every second phrase. <laughs> it's like it's like with TV shows, like putting on accents where you know that the characters are not supposed to speak in English at all. So they're speaking Russian or they're speaking Italian, but in this TV show, they're speaking English because it's a, an American or a British TV show. And they're putting on accents and they're like, yeah. no, that's, that's weird. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And I know that Genia had a lot of friends about it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's also weird in audiobooks. It's, it, I don't take it seriously at all when it's, clear that the language they're talking is not they're speaking sorry uh is not english but still they speak english and with an accent like it's a pet peeve (laughs) we can see that (laughs) but for me as well (laughs) (laughs) oh uh one thing i was curious to hear everyone's thoughts on what do you think about the sometimes point that non-audiobook listeners bring up where they don't think that listening to an audiobook actually counts as reading (laughs) that's stupid oh no (laughs) Um. for me i feel like the whole is it reading is it not reading is like a almost like a status thing you know like like it's considered oh reading is good so it's not like I'm not reading if I'm listening to an audiobook. You, you know, I don't feel like it has... I mean, like, there's no reason to have this discussion unless we put in a certain value for reading itself. Does that make sense? Um, like, nobody ever says something about, like, if you read Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet or if you watch Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, like, which one is better? Which one is... Are you really watching a play if you're reading the book? I mean, if you're reading the play or not. Are you really reading the play if you're watching it? I don't know. All of these things, it really... It's really like a... Like, it's it's a social thing, not a reading thing. So for me personally, my experience with audiobooking is very different from my experience with reading physical text because I usually do things meanwhile. And uh, when I read, I go backwards and forwards a lot. Uh, I don't really read linearly. <laughs> so the fact that I can't do that in an audiobook also really changes the experience for me. So um, it's in a way more immersive, again, because if I'm walking along and I'm listening to a book about walking, it's more immersive for me even than just sitting and, and reading the physical text. But on the other hand, it is quite different. And I don't like if I if I guess I just find the question in general a little strange and the arguments a little strange I mean it's different but they're also both good for me personally and if I and if somebody said I read the book and they had listened to the audio then I wouldn't be like no you're fake 
um, just okay, they read the book, I guess. Yeah, I guess that was a weird thing, but yeah. Aren't there studies that show that reading the book physically, you know, with your eyes and listening to an audiobook, like your brain can't really tell the difference and it's picked up by your brain in the same way? Like, I'm pretty sure I've seen a few studies that show that. And then also, I've seen, I've seen the argument that some people make that audiobooks don't count as reading as sort of ableist in a way, because it sort of is saying that if you're blind and you can't, you know, read Braille, does that count as reading? Because you're not reading, you're touching the paper. It's sort of like, well, if you're blind, then you can never read. You know, that sort of, I've seen that argument made as well. Yeah, and I've just always thought it's a silly question that's either demeaning or pedantic. Like, why do people care so much about the fine definition? And, I mean, have you ever seen someone argue that authors should be considered typists or keyboarders rather than writers? Because writing is taking a pen or a pencil and physically marking paper or something. I mean, like, language and technology move on, and so should we. Definitions change of words all the time. We say, instead of, we still say writer, we don't say, like Travis was saying, keyboardist or typist. So I don't see why the definition of a read can't also expand. Um, yeah, like Genia said, it's a different experience for me. I, I don't read as I audiobook, um, but I still consider it the same. Like when I... When I say that I finished a book, it means either that I finished it on audiobook, which happens not very often, or uh, I finished the physical written book. It's like people want cookies for like finishing a physical book. It's like a competition thing. It's like the Paul Goodreads challenge and stuff like reading is it becomes something like a competition, something that you have to do right that you have to win, it's weird. Like if you finish a book, either listening or reading, it's the same. You have the story in your brain and it's not like watching the TV show. You have the book narrated to you. You don't see actors playing it in front of you. It's different. Um, it's closer to reading than it is to watching a TV show. So it's for me, it's a, it's a different experience, but it's the same end result. So it's a weird debate to have at all, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like. I, I feel like for me, even reading out loud is a different experience than reading to myself. I've read out loud with friends before, and there's this kind of communal energy or something going on, I guess. And even then, I feel like it's very, in a way, it's a very different experience from me by myself. But that doesn't make it any worse or any better. I don't think that... I know that some people say, for example, that the only correct way to read poetry is out loud. I don't know if I agree with something like that, especially for prose, but there's just different experiences. We can all call it reading because if we don't call it reading, then it seems overly pedantic, as people have said. But for me personally, they're different or different variations of the same thing, let's say. Um, I kind of split books and audiobooks out a little bit when I'm talking about them, just because audiobooks have an additional element with a narrator in there. And if I'm going to recommend an audiobook, 
it's not necessarily going to be the same book that I recommend someone read because some books I go, well, I don't want to recommend you the audiobook of that based on the narrator and the fact that I didn't enjoy it. Or I go, this book is good, but it is amazing in audio because it has such a good narrator and you should read or listen to it in audio format because of that. So I split them out from that purpose, but I still count finishing a book as finishing a book. Yeah. So on a much more serious note, what speed do you guys listen to audiobooks at? Two times. 1.5. 0.5. No, no, no. 1.5. Oh. <laughs> I listened to it at the speed it was recorded. What's wrong with you guys? I'm imagining the narrator going off like a chipmunk. <laughs> It's weird. Why do you do that? That that happens at around two times speed if they're a fastish reader. Sarah confirmed to listen to audiobooks at one fourth the speed. <laughs> Point seventy five no. times. No, I listened to it like the way it was recorded because I don't know. I think it's as I said, it's because it's a different experience from when I'm reading, like physically reading the written world because. I don't mind speeding off and being slower for audiobooks because they're a treat. They're not something I do often. So when I'm reading a book, I read it at full speed, like super fast. I'm binging. But when it's audiobook, it's slower. It's like the space it was recorded in because it's not the same experience for me. No. Sometimes it's so slow to the point where I've had experiences where two times sounds like normal reading speed. And then I'll just see what, uh, like, so two times sounds like a normal talking speed. And then I'll put it on one time speed and it will sound like <laughs> this it's like oh god uh for me i sometimes slow down uh slow it down to 1.3 or 1.2 when the narrator is quite fast i've listened to lin-manuel miranda uh narrate a book called the something something terrible life of oscar Wilde. i think and he, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who created Hamilton, actually speaks really, really, really quickly. Uh, so him, I had to slow down to like a 1.1, 1.2. And uh, Lord of the Rings, I've also slowed down because it seems to fit uh, that like good rhythm of um, somebody telling you an epic story in a slow, um, slow uh, melodic way and so on. But other books, I don't know. I can't listen beyond like below 1.5. I don't know how you do it, Sara. It just sounds terrible to me. <laughs> I, I always thought that they actually got them and then slowed them down to bring it to one time speed right? because people don't speak that slow. So I don't think they slow down in editing. I think they intentionally are speaking slower so that they can focus on enunciation and nailing the different voices that they don't normally speak in. I know on Mary Robinette Cole's site, she actually has a whole section on advice for audio narrators. And she says... Your instinct is going to be to read really fast if it's something you're familiar with. And so you have to force yourself to slow down. And so I, I kind of think that the one time speed is actually slower than it's intended to be consumed, uh, at least in some cases. But 
I typically always start out listening to an audiobook at one or 1.1 times speed. And then as I get comfortable with the narrator, I slowly up the speed, getting close to like 1.5 to 2. Interesting. I only go to two if it's a book that I really dislike <laughs> and I just need to finish it and I need to get it over with and it's okay if I miss things, then I then I go to two. Uh, I had a question, like, do you guys like special effects in your audiobook? Because we had an experience, Sam and I, where um, I loved an audiobook because it had like a creaking of a door, a crackling of a fireplace, and he hated it. <laughs> And it was so funny how different the experience of listening was for both of us. Uh, and I was wondering if you guys liked like light special effects. I'm not talking like thunder and like the whole production thing, but like when a door is not greased, you, you hear it creaking, you hear the sound of um, swords that clash, for example, stuff like that. Do you like it? It seems so out of place. Like in audiobooks, you're describing a fire and you can hear a fire at the same time. And I didn't like that. Like audio dramas, which Travis briefly mentioned earlier, they have sound effects, but they're not describing them at the same time. And they actually work really well. But when you're describing something happening and then you've got the sound of it happening too, and then because I'm usually either in a car or walking through the city with all this background noise as well. It just becomes auditory overload. Um, the book I'm talking about is Source Point by Ellen Kushner. It was my first audiobook, and I, I was excited because I thought all audiobooks did that. And then uh, <laughs> it was a disappointment. <laughs> Sarah, have you tried audio dramas? <laughs> I did. I need to get back to it because I really loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I only listen to audiobooks that um, include sound effects, and I also only listen to them while doing the exact same things as those sound effects. So there's a fire, <laughs> I'm making a fire. There's a door creaking, I'm creaking a door. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's oh, the no. only way to listen. Yeah, I don't have swords, so I can't do that. <laughs> but it's really fun. <laughs> oh. Do you have kitchen knives? I don't, really. I have butter knives, but I love kitchen knives. I live in a cupboard. I mean, of course you have butter knives, your friend. You live in Paris. <laughs> yeah. uh, we all... I mean, when we first enter France, we have uh, a baguette and cheese <laughs> and butter knife handed to us. <laughs> it's the first thing. It's, it's a welcome package we have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't uh, have a butter knife. What do you use for your butter? <laughs> An axe? <laughs> I don't buy a steak knife? <laughs> <laughs> Actually. What do you mean you don't buy butter? What the fuck? <laughs> You're so French. I'm not French. <laughs> okay, hey, sir, can you, can you say something in French? Qu'est-ce que tu veux que je dise? Yeah, she's not French. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, she's French. <laughs> um, okay, back to the topic. Renia, what do you think? Uh, so I've listened to a couple books where there's a sound effect only between uh, book parts. So I've listened to um, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice where 
in between book parts, they'll have a little like harpsichord or something and a little little song. Um, <laughs> and that was interesting. And also for Lord of the Rings, uh, between book parts, they um, they have like the, I don't know, they have like this dramatic music. And I kind of enjoyed that because you knew you were coming to the end of the book because it's suddenly dramatic music. But apart from that, I haven't really listened to much with um, with sound effects, apart from people just talking normally. Uh, the only one I have listened to is Unseen Academicals, um, Terry Pratchett's one, which was not technically an audiobook. It was an audio drama adaptation. And there I found it. I found it a little difficult because, you know, there's there's footsteps going on and there's things clanging and I was alone at home and I kept thinking like, is somebody else home? What's happening? Are my flatmates back? And so on. Um, so yeah, I think it's a mixed thing because I think sometimes it can be pretty cool and it can really get you even more involved. And sometimes it's just, it's just too much. Um, I think also probably for um, books where there's a lot of fighting going on, I don't really know how that would work. Like if you're listening to some kind of epic clash and there's just like horses dying in the background, <laughs> I feel like that would be intense. That is why I don't like graphic audio. <laughs> Speaking of the um, wonderful thing that is graphic audio, uh, <laughs> I have listened to the entire Way of Kings on graphic Ooh. audio. And to me, I think, I mean, obviously, like production, you know, ties into this, um, like it's complete full cast, full orchestra, you know, full sound effects and everything. And the way they do the fighting scenes is the background noises will be kind of muffled, I guess. So it's not really a distraction. And you're still entirely focused on the actual words in the story at hand. For me, I think it does a good job of kind of reminding you that all this action is still taking place. And I think this is also kind of where having sound effects done well can make the book kind of feel more immersive because just physically reading, I find some authors don't really do a good job of portraying that there are other things going around. So it just feels like, you know, these this character, these two characters are in a vacuum talking, where in reality, you know, they're, you know, in the middle of a battlefield or, you know, they're in the middle of a busy shopping center or something like that. And so I feel that with audiobooks, that have sound effects and graphic audio is probably the most popular one or most popular form that it just kind of adds that extra layer that really immerses you in the story. That being said, with something like graphic audio, I did find that I couldn't do other tasks while listening to it. Like I had to devote my attention to that audiobook in particular. Whereas with quote-unquote, normal audiobooks. You know, I can do kind of menial tasks or whatever. It was, as I said, the one with um, the light uh, sound effects was my first audiobook. And it's like training wheels for, for me because I have a lot of issues processing um, 
audiobooks because uh, my focus wanders a lot. I can't focus on anything when it's said to me, like narrated to me. So for my first audiobook, I think that the fact that it anchors you to the action, it anchors you to the scene, uh, it was a good point to start. Uh, and I think for a beginner, it's not a bad thing. If you enjoy the light sound effects, it's a good way to just stay focused with the action. Yeah, so I recently finished listening to an audio drama that was probably the most sound design intensive audio drama that I'd listened to before. So it was kind of like graphic audio in that sense. Uh, it was called Rose Drive. And something that I thought was pretty incredible is they would set every scene uh, so you could tell there was a scene transition. They would fade in the background music. Like if characters are talking in a cafe, you would hear the music that's playing, you would hear the background chatter, and it would kind of somehow an audio pan in on the characters you care about, and then the background would fade. So it sets the scene, it immerses you, but then it gets out of the way for you to hear the conversation that you actually care about. Uh, so that's personally how I prefer sound effects. Uh, I don't like them at the same time that someone's speaking. I kind of like them to weave in and out of each other. So yeah, let's finish off the episode here. But before we go, why don't we each really quickly say the best audiobook that you've ever listened to? I could go on for a week of those. Nope, just pick one. The Raven Cycle by Fool Patton. Read by Wolfpack. Yes. Actually, I can't think of an answer either. This is hard. Uh, I can't answer because I have four of them, so I can't pick one. It was Natural History of Dragons by Kate, read by Kate Whedon by Mary Brennan. But it's not difficult. I have like four of them. I could go on for a week listing different <laughs> ones. Um, <laughs> but The Heart of Stone by Ben Gully was really really good in audiobook format because one of the main characters is a stone golem and the voice for the golem is fantastically done it is accented but not based on any culture that i am aware of it's just very well done i think my favorite is the second heart strikers book whose name I forgot. All the Heart Striker series is good, but I really like the second one in particular. So I'm going to go with that. And I've already mentioned some of my favorite audiobooks, but I'll add another one I didn't get the chance to mention. Also, because I have to stay on brand, is The First 15 Lives of Harry August by Claire North. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep, that's, and that's, that's narrated by Peter Kinney. And it's just incredible. Uh, the book itself is amazing, but the narrator does a phenomenal job. Uh, so highly recommended. All right. And on that note, goodbye. And also we will see you, no, find us at uh, The Fantasy Inn on Twitter, thefantasyin.com on the internet, The Fantasy Inn on Instagram. We also have an email, probably thefantasyin at gmail.com. Yes, come hang out with us.